Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Greg Kelly Show. Nah, I called it. I totally called it. Just a matter of time now before Joe Biden has to withdraw from any consideration. He's not going to uh, run for re-election. He cannot because his bosses, first they told him no. Then he said, well, I'm the president. I can do whatever I want. I'm still thinking about it. And then Barack Obama said, all right, that's it. Take him out. This is an Obama operation. Absolutely. Oh, boy. Joe, you got so, you got too big for your britches. You work for Obama. You work for the Obamas. You work for Susan Rice. Who the hell do you think you are? (laughs) Uh, Now the FBI, the FBI, federal agents inside his house all weekend, Friday, all Friday, 13 hours, looking around. Oh, we gave them full permission. Oh, yeah, we're coming or else. (laughs) You might as well, you can spin this any way you want. Now I hear the Justice Department, they're getting very sensitive to the idea that uh, Joe Biden's lawyers are the ones calling the shots on this. No, we're the DOJ. We're the Department of Justice. And they're looking through and they find all these crazy secret classified documents, some all the way back to when Joe was a wee tiny senator from that wee tiny state. Um, And you know what? This is uh, here's more evidence that Joe is done. I saw Democrats all weekend long talking about how disturbing this was. This is very disturbing. This is really, we need to get to the bottom of it. Remember Dick Durbin, Illinois, big time uh, pal of Barack Obama. We need to get to the bottom of this. Uh, Tim Kaine, nasty guy, the Democrat senator from Virginia. Remember he ran with, oops, what was this? He ran with Hillary a couple of, uh, when was that? When did he run with Hillary? I guess it was in 2016. He wanted to be, he hates Joe Biden. He wants answers. He's, Democrats are turning on him publicly, publicly. Ooh, it couldn't be happening to a nicer guy, huh? Oh, and then there's this just a little while ago. All these documents were kept in uh, Chinatown for a time. Chinatown in Washington, D.C. They have a very small Chinatown. It's not like ours here in New York. It's big, it's vibrant. It's basically a half a block in Washington, D.C. I live not too far from there. Uh, the Biden Penn Center kept the documents in some storage unit that they rented in Chinatown. Imagine that. Uh, just the irony, you know? I mean, we know that Joe is um, did something with the Chinese. Hunter as well. Hunter bragging about all of his uh, closeness with the richest man in China. Um, this is kind of fascinating to watch. And I do believe, I can't prove it, but look, they never put this stuff in writing. You know, it's not like they drew up a contract with Joe Biden saying, you know, you will serve at the pleasure of Barack Obama. They couldn't have such a contract. You don't you don't say that stuff necessarily out loud. But with a wink and a nod, you can you can speak volumes. And that's what's going down. You can connect the dots for yourself. You don't believe me about this Barack Obama stuff that he's in charge, that he's running the show. Go back to that famous clip I show you on, on on Colbert. He said, if I could have an arrangement where I was like, you know, in the basement. That's not a good Barack Obama. How does he talk? If I had an arrangement where I was in the basement and I could call all the shots and just have a front man and, and tell him what to do, I'd be fine with that. That was passable. That was passable. It's not what he says. It's the look in his eyes. He's gloating. He's boasting, he's gloating, 
oh man, these guys have been, these guys, he's going down, going down. And again, he deserves it. And there's a precursor to all this, folks. Now, I know I made some of you very upset when I came to the defense of Andrew Cuomo. And before I make you mad all over again, you got to remember this. I said publicly in the heart of COVID when everybody was praising him, oh, my gosh, look at how he handled that press conference. He's so amazing. I just still couldn't get it out of my head that he told that hospital ship to turn around. And we knew about the nursing home issue then. And I'm like, this guy is either incompetent, evil. We got problems here. He needs to go. I said that was one of the first. I may may have been one of the only. In the heart of uh, Cuomo sexual uh, fandom, I was saying that. Now, you could get him on that, but you can't get him on being a predator. You cannot get that. That was all nonsense. But I think... uh, I think Obama may have been pulling the strings on that one, too. Now, hear me out here, okay? You've seen the pictures now of Andrew Cuomo allegedly groping women. Have you seen those pictures? Have you looked at the Attorney General's report? This is going back some, what, a year now? I put him on uh, my TV show a lot. He's shaking some woman's hand. (laughs) He's posing for a selfie. It's all innocent. He tells a doctor, a female doctor in a gown, that she makes that gown look good. You make that gown look good? Hello, doctor. Uh-huh. Tilt my head back. He was getting a COVID test. Anyway, um, all this stuff was harmless, yet they made him out to be a predator. And by the way, all those girls liked him. They did. Uh, I heard somewhere that fame and power and um, he's also kind of tall, <clears throat> that women tend to like... Tall, powerful, um, famous guys. I don't think that started with Andrew Andrew Cuomo, right? That's a thing. That's a thing. But the message was to um, Biden. See, Biden, we've all seen you grope and smell and be grossly, wildly inappropriate with children, with adolescents, with uh, 20-somethings, 30-somethings, 40-somethings, grandmothers. We've all seen it. If we can get... If we can get Cuomo out of power on nothing, we can get you out of power on everything. I mean, we just, that was a message to him to stay in line. Do not cross us. Do what you're told. And he started feeling his britches when he went to St. Croix and let the whole world know, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I just might run for, I just might run for president after all. Um, when he has no business, no business whatsoever. And a guy, what contempt he has. He won't even convey that a mistake was been, that that an obvious mistake has been made. Cut six, please. Cut six. Joe's lame and insulting denial of all wrongdoing. Cut six. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Thank you. This is um, the day before. A half dozen classified documents were found in his house after Joe's lawyers told us the house and everything had already been searched. Already been searched. What? Some of those classified documents go all the way back to when Joe Biden was a United States senator. Miranda Devine of the New York Post has a fascinating theory. Like, why did Joe have these classified documents? Well, around this time, uh, 2013, 2014, 2015, 
That's when um, Hunter is working for Burisma. Hunter gets a job, 80 grand a month, $80,000 a month, getting all that money from the mayor of Moscow's wife, $3 million, all that stuff. Joe has got to understand that Hunter has no business. So he has no, you know, like he's not qualified. What is his qualification? His proximity to his father, uh, Joe Biden. But at some point, it's not just, okay, you know, you, you can get us a picture with your dad. I mean, we, what, you can get an autograph? You want something of value. And what is something that Joe has of value? Well, access, access to intelligence, access to classified material. Some of these documents, as you know by now, pertain to Ukraine, pertain to Iran, pertain to uh, the United Kingdom. Hey, Burisma would like to have information like that, wouldn't they? Burisma, a fly-by-night, kind of a shady company. Because, you know, Ukraine, they would possibly, what do you know about our country? You know, if you run, if you run Burisma, you don't know everything that's going down. Iran, Iran still produces a hell of a lot of oil. Burisma was an oil company. I mean, at some time, even Hunter Biden has to start producing for these people who are paying him all this money. Were those documents for Hunter? Was he taking him home to tell Hunter what was in the documents? This is totally and completely plausible, by the way. Um, and we have to remember that Joe lies to us and always has lied to us. That's what he does. Hey, Andrew McCarthy, this guy is amazing. Former uh, U.S. attorney, assistant U.S. attorney, I think for the Eastern District. He shows up on Fox a lot. Cut eight, please. Cut eight. He's not allowed to store them in an unauthorized place. Uh, he has a security clearance. He's allowed to have documents, but he can only examine them in a place that is authorized by law. And we know, as Mike laid out, that there's been multiple places yeah. that are unauthorized where these documents were found. That's a felony. A felony, man, a felony. Maybe he'll pardon himself and resign. And by the way, one property of Joe's that has not been searched yet by the FBI, by DOJ, is the Rehoboth Beach House. The Rehoboth Beach House. Rehoboth, Delaware. Some people really like that. It's like a slight... I, 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 I can't stand the idea of... I don't want to go there. I just never want to go there. Everybody in Washington would make such a big deal about Rehoboth Beach and how nice it was. I, 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 I Gosh, no. Not for me. Not for me. He's got a beach house there. Uh, it's January. Where did Joe go this weekend? The Rehoboth Beach House. Right after the FBI has searched his other house in Delaware. Next, obviously, they're going to Rehoboth. They're going to look around there. You think, what was Joe doing there this weekend? <clears throat> what was the temperature in Delaware? Reho this, what, what is it right now? Rehoboth Beach, Delaware temperature right now is 42 degrees. I mean, okay, it's not the Arctic, but you don't go there. Nobody goes to, it's out of season. You don't go there. Man, this guy's a criminal. He's a downright criminal. And I knew it all along. He's got to be really sweating it at this point. And I think he's, um, I think he's going to have to walk away. He's going to have to walk away. Forget re-election. We're talking resignation. Cut seven, please. Corrine Jean-Pierre, the incompetent press secretary. I mean, you need somebody skilled when you're in this much of a hole. Here she is trying another, uh, taking another whack at it to explain all this. Cut seven, please. What does the president mean when he said no regrets? 
Because he's also said he takes very seriously the handling of uh, classified documents. So I'm unclear what he means about no regret. So I'm not going to uh, comment further from what the president has said uh, yesterday. I think he, uh, he laid out his thoughts. He was asked about it. He laid out his thoughts of whatever question he was asked. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get into specifics or I'm not going to uh, go beyond what the president has said. But I will reiterate from here uh, that, uh, and basically what he said to, to, to all of you many times at this point, that he does indeed take classified information. And seriously, he does indeed take classified documents. Seriously, I'm just not going to no, go beyond that. No, he takes them. He just takes them. I the White House Counsel's Office for any specifics on, on, um, on, right, on the stop, president's Stop, stop, stop. It's embarrassing. It's painful to listen to her. You got to just stop with, don't say seriously. The president takes classified documents, period. <laughs> he takes them all the time. Uh, a lot of folks have pointed out this uh, Ted Sorensen thing, but I don't think they've gone through it in sufficient detail. Ted Sorensen was a, um, a friend of John F. Kennedy, worked for the Kennedy White House, and uh, very close to JFK, all the way back to being a senator. He wrote all of his speeches, and he's a hero in the Democrat Party, wrote a very flattering, flattering book about Kennedy. I mean, if anybody knew about Kennedy and the interns and this, that, and the other thing and the orgies in the White House pool, it was it was Ted Sorensen. And uh, Ted Sorensen leaves the White House in 1964, takes a whole hell of a lot of classified documents with him. It's part of the public record. He had to admit it at one point in a deposition. Who found that deposition? Joe Biden. Joe Biden, as a uh, still in his first term, very eager to make a name for himself and try to show that he's bipartisan, goes running around with his deposition saying he can't be the CIA director because of this, because he admitted taking classified documents from the White House. He did it in 1964, and he still has those classified documents. Uh, what goes around comes around, Joe. But here's the thing. Once Joe is gone, and he will be gone, it's just up to it, Barack Obama. This is not democracy. Barack Obama is deciding who gets to be the president. Um, I didn't sign up for that. Did you? I'll be right back. Greg Kelly. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. This is The Greg Kelly Show. Now, I know once Joe is gone, if he does resign before his uh, term in office is up, which I do believe he will do, of course, that gives us Kamala. And that stinks. Uh, but the left, they'll be wild because they'll have made history with a uh, a woman of color, a woman of color. Never had one of those as president before, right? Um, Obama will make sure, however, that she does not run for re-election or does not run for election in her own right. Um, everybody has seen what a mess uh, she is. Uh, she can't be trusted. And, and um, well, this is the time. Remember when she lo- totally blew her top, yelling and screaming at um, Joe Biden during the debate? Cut 40, please. Cut 40. So that's decision. where the federal government must step no, in. The that's why we have the Voting Rights Act. Because that's there right. are moments in history where states 
fail to preserve the civil rights of all people. I supported the ERA from the very beginning when I ran for the seconds. All right. Uh, Truth be told, if anybody yells and screams, uh, calls me a racist in public like that, um, I'm not going to forgive them. I'll forgive them in my heart, but I'm not going to I'm not going to ever have anything to do with them ever again, ever, ever. That's it. Forget it. Uh, Yes. Forgiveness is part of uh, is part of Christian. I can forgive him in my heart. I can just uh, uh, but I'm never, ever, 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 ever associating with that individual again. Why would I? And they're on their own journey. And, and they can work whatever issues out they have directly with God. I, it doesn't have anything to do with me. This is another advantage of Barack Obama. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris hate each other despite the act on television. Cut 39, please. This is a, just the other day, their two-year anniversary as president and vice president together. Cut 39. All right. Okay. Hey, team. Hi, guys. How are you? What do you think? I think we're off to a pretty good start. More women are employed in decent jobs. And how about the fact that there is now a name that the world knows, and the name is Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson? And more right. appellate court female judges are right. black than all other presidents in American history. Yeah. I feel good about where we are. All right. Um, nobody else does. <laughs> I don't think you do. Um, of course you don't. Of course you don't. You're in major, major trouble. Kamala Harris has no particular power of her own, no constituency. This is all setting the stage up for Michelle, Michelle Obama. That's the one. You know, she's got something in common with her husband, Barack, um, in terms of political biography. A lot of people didn't notice this, but Michelle Obama gave the keynote address at the 2020 Democrat National Convention. Um, it didn't look like much of a keynote address because, you know, she gave it from her basement. Remember, everybody was zooming it in. Um, that's a speech where she said, it is what it is. You know, she has no faith in America, but that's it is what it is. Um, it's all an attempt to make her the president. Um, and the way they've gamed the system and uh, rigged the elections, they just might pull it off. Folks, this is I'm not going to this. This may not clear itself up by 2024. I wish it would. I'm sorry. We're This is a long, long, long struggle. We can have a good time. We can protect ourselves in the meantime, but there's no quick fix. Give me a moment, please. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. Oh, man, I was so nervous this morning. Actually, yesterday when I found out about the Fox weatherman who was beat up on the subway train. Oh, gosh. You know, uh, the only weatherman I really know is uh, Mike Woods. And uh, I thought, Fox, uh, my, it's going to be Mike. And all right, I'm gl- I was relieved it wasn't Mike. I don't want anybody to be hurt, including this guy, Klotz. Is that his name? Adam Klotz. For, for, fortunately, he's okay. But he was on the train in the afternoon, and he did something that I might have done. You know, some old man was being hassled by a bunch of teens, and he said, come on, guys, cut it out. So they beat him up. They beat him up, and he's talking about it on social media, but I'm glad it's not Mike Wood. I, I, I wish it would happen to nobody, but... Um, I, I I don't keep up with Mike anymore. I don't know what he meant, but uh, he's a good guy. And, uh, phew, uh, that was bad news. Bad, bad news. Bad underground. I don't, hey, if you can afford it, do not take the subway. Do not take the subway. Uh, because of the crazy liberal left media, crazy Democrats, they have stirred this pot so artificially, so unnecessarily. And now in a city like New York where everybody basically got along, um, 
where we had race, racial harmony, racial harmony. Can you believe it? We had it. We had it in the same city where we had the Crown Heights riots, in the same city where we had the Howard Beach uh, attack. I remember actually another reporter friend of mine went to Howard Beach. What's his name? Anton Lewis. And he goes to Howard Beach to that same pizzeria on like the 30th anniversary. And um, he's accepted so beautifully and warmly. You know, we New York grew up, all right. When it, it it was so cool, actually, the one thing that actually brought New York together, one of many things, was the subway. Guess everybody rode the subway. Rich people, poor people, you didn't have to worry about anything. Well, now I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not going down there anymore. I can't hack it. And by the way, with me and all the crazy stuff I'm saying all the time, I'm getting shade everywhere I go. <laughs> I get shade everywhere. Uh, I, I'm probably going to be punched in the face one of these days. Uh, uh, maybe I should start. What do you think? Sandra, hi. Welcome back. How are you? Oh, welcome back. So you you kind of talked about what I wanted to talk about, but that's okay because I want to add to it that um, Eric Adams said that he's spending $20 million in overtime for the police to resolve this problem. Is that enough to fix what? What's going on with poor Adam and your friend and other people that are getting attacked in the subways? I would never go anymore in the subway, but it shouldn't be like that. Because like you said, it used to be a wonderful tool to get around. And now, you know, we're all afraid. Well, I don't know if it was ever wonderful, but it was decent. It was decent, right? It was, uh, it was, what did you say about Adams? What do they do now? Okay. Adams. No, Adam. Oh, Eric Adams. Oh, yes. He, I read is spending like $20 million in overtime for the police to help solve this problem. But I wanted to ask you, is that enough to fix this problem? Uh, well, overtime is a fact of life in, uh, in New York City. they got to pay more than ever before because we're losing cops like crazy. I think we lost 10,000 cops in the past like two years or something like that. It's insane, the, uh, the attrition. And uh, you got to make up for that with overtime. Um, and Eric, by the way, uh, overtime and managing police resources, um, it's a very complex thing. Eric ain't up to that task. Eric doesn't know what he's talking about. Eric doesn't know how to handle that. Yes, he's good with the suits. Yes, he's good with the nightclub. Yes, he's good uh, fooling some uh, some milk toasty guy like John Carl. Um, he's actually good at shaming reporters because they don't look like him, as he says. And when he says, I'm going to kick cracker ass, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, some crackers get scared. <laughs> can I say that as a white man? I gotta, uh, people get scared. Um, so, yeah, uh, 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 it's a fact of life. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with the 20 million. 20 million doesn't sound like all that much money. But, hey, Sandra, thank you very, very much. And let's just do another one. Let's do one more. Uh, John in Whitestone. Yes, John, how are you? Good, Greg. Good. Did you ever see the uh, the video of um, of Joan Rivers um, talking about Michelle Obama that she's not a woman per se; she's transgender, and this falls in line with what you were saying that she's definitely going to run for president. She covers all the bases: black woman, transgender. You know. On well, hold on, on a second. On. I mean, I love uh, Joan Rivers, but she was obviously joking. Joan Rivers was a comedian. And she was fantastic. If you ever want to know more about Joan Rivers, there's a great movie 
a documentary called uh, Piece of Work. And I got to know her, by the way. Uh, she was very nice to me. Uh, she was real, though. She kept it real. I got to know her daughter, Melissa, a bit. Uh, I really, and we were all shocked, shocked when she died. It was way premature. Looks like they really screwed that up. Uh, the, the, the medical uh, people she was dealing with, that was a big, big malpractice case. Um, I actually visited uh, Melissa. We, we sat Shiva. I haven't done that too many times in my life. Well, we sat Shiva. Anyway, look, I think Joan Rivers was joking about that, and uh, it's okay to joke, and it's okay, and it wasn't the first time I've heard that comparison made. Anything else, buddy? Yeah, uh, one more thing. Since her passing, there's been this conspiracy theory. After she made those statements that you can see in her face, she's telling the truth, she suddenly died. That's the other correlation with this particular video and how Joan Rivers died. You said it's suddenly out of nowhere. After these remarks were made, Greg, I got to go, man. All the best. All to right. You bye. Guys. Bye. Bye. Uh, oh, man. Wait. They try to kill Joan Rivers. I, I can't believe. It. No, no, no. Would they? No, no. Hey, you know what? I don't know. Look, I thought I knew America. I was one of those guys. I was always saying, oh, no, no, no. That would never happen. Oh, no. That's not how it works. No, no, no. That's just a conspiracy theory. Well, I have been awakened. My eyes have been opened. And how about all these people dropping dead? I'm not talking about Joan Rivers, but lately. And the guy in charge of the COVID response under Joe Biden, his name is Zions. Zions is his name. He's a one weird, creepy guy. And here's, here's evidence of, of him being creepy. All right? He was a very powerful Democrat, very, very rich. You've never heard of him. That's the way they like it. So he's advising Joe Biden as a candidate, as a during the transition, and he's there managing the COVID task force. Did you notice something about Joe and all the people we lost to COVID? Joe made a really big deal out of all the benchmarks. We lost a hundred thousand people, you know. And Joe would uh, Joe would have a candlelight vigil. Then we lost two hundred thousand people, and Joe would have a bigger candlelight vigil, and on and on and on. By the time the night before he becomes president, they take over the Lincoln Memorial and they light 500,000 candles. I mean, it's like the biggest. And then he's president. And what do they do? They start scaling it back because we we hit all these benchmarks. All right. I mean, we can't have 600,000 candles. We'll have 600 candles and then 700, 750,000. They keep scaling it back, scaling it to the point. Where we, when we hit one million of those lost to COVID, because half of them happened under uh, Biden, you know what they did? They issued a tweet. They issued a tweet. You can look at it. You, this huge, uh, and Joe Biden really kind of had a f- weird fixation on funerals and grief. He really should have been a funeral director. The way he talked, the way he act, acted, even the way he dressed for a while, and those creepy sunglasses. So Zions, I think, had a big hand in this. Uh, we only made a big deal out of those dying from COVID under Trump. And those dying under Biden, we pretended it didn't happen. Zions is his name. He's the new chief of staff. Uh, Ron Klain is gone. I'm trying to figure out what this means. Officially, this is what they're telling people, that Ron Klain wants some rest and relaxation before he has to go into overdrive working for the campaign to reelect Joe Biden. 
how they can say that with a straight face. Joe Biden is not, no way is he going to be reelected. Is he going to be allowed to run for reelection? Mm, no way. Sorry. And by the way, on the two-year anniversary, I went through his um, his inauguration. I don't know if you saw my show on Friday. And there was it was so interesting, actually, to look back at that speech and to see that he weirdly offered a roadmap to the type of president he would be. You know, I used to look at that speech. Joe Biden said, I want to unite, I want to unite America. I want to unite America. My whole soul is in this. And I thought, okay, that's just Joe lying. That's just Joe not caring. That's just Joe being Joe. There was actually some truth to what he was saying, but it's sinister. It's actually, in a weird way, worse than if he were lying. Let me show you how this is. Now, first of all, <laughs> have you ever heard anybody recite Scripture like this? This is at his inauguration in 2021. Cut 19, please. I promise you this. As the Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I promise you this, damn it. Nobody does that. It's just supposed to be gentle. It's supposed to be gentle. All right. Now let me get back to the cut 20, please. It sounds like the Pledge of Allegiance for a moment, for a moment. All right, cut 20. We come together as one nation, under God, indivisible, to with, carry out the peaceful transfer of power. Wait, what about with liberty and justice for all? With liberty and justice for all. No, 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 no. All right. Now, as a, his agenda for America, the thing that we got to unite behind. You know, I know how to unite and try to eradicate poverty or try to get to the moon. But listen to what he wants us to uh, unite behind. Cut 23. Folks. This is a time of testing. We face an attack under democracy. As we all know. Oh, stop. He's the one. Stop, 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 stop. It was miscut. It was miscut. Give me cut 24 if you don't mind. There is truth and there are lies. Lies told for power and for profit. And each of us has a duty and a responsibility as citizens, as Americans, and especially as leaders. Leaders who have pledged to honor our Constitution and protect our nation, to defend the truth and defeat the lies. Now, this is the scary stuff. Leaders have a responsibility to figure out what's true and what's not. Hey, man, you know, that is not your responsibility. Go ahead. You want to propose legislation and see if the Congress will pass it? Fine. You want to be able to appoint uh, ambassadors? Great. You're not in charge of figuring out what's true and what's not true. And he did. He tried to set up a ministry of truth in the Department of Homeland Security. And then the FBI was unleashed at Twitter, embedding with Twitter, telling Twitter what's true and what's not true. This is dangerous stuff. Really, this is authoritarianism. This is what it looks like. This is what it sounds like. Cut 22. I know speaking of unity can sound to some like a foolish fantasy these days. I know the forces that divide us are deep and they are real. But I also know they are not new. Our history has been a constant struggle between the American ideal that we're all are created equal 
and the harsh, ugly reality that racism, nativism, fear, demonization have long torn us apart. All right. So this is this is also very, very creepy. He's looking for unity, but he knows it's hard to get unity because there's so much racism, nativism, fear and demonization. If we could only get rid of those, we'd have unity. Now, that may sound at first glance, at first listen. Okay, yeah, I don't don't have a problem with that. But he's equating those who aren't on his side. He's calling them racists, nativists, like you got to be born here to count. That we are we are just demonizers of the good. That's not true. That's not true. And that's what he wants. That's how he's portraying us. His idea of unity is not let's all get together for a cause we all believe in or most you know that we can all get behind. It's to get behind his radical agenda. Because what he outlined in that speech, getting rid of uh, racial inequity. You got to have uh, equity. It's got to be equity sounds great. It's not great. Equality is great. Equity is right out of communism. We got to get all behind getting rid of systemic racism. We're not systemically racist. We don't we don't agree with that premise. This is the dangerous stuff. And again, I thought he was lying. But there is an element of truth here. Cut 21. Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this. Bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. When you try to cancel the opposition, when you try to illegalize MAGA, when you lock up the leader of the opposition party, try to, that's an effort to unify the country just the way the communists did. That's one thing about China. It's one thing about the Communist Party. does look pretty unified when they sit in that great big auditorium and nobody gets out of line. And if somebody does, oh, watch out. That's the kind of unity he's talking about. That or he has absolutely no soul. And that's a possibility, too. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. When you're looking at a run for president, you look at two things. You first look at, does the current situation push for new leadership? The second question is, am I that person that could be that new leader? Yes, we need to go in a new direction. And can I be that leader? Yes, I think I can be that leader. Oh, do you now? That's Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley thinks she can be my president. Well, she's wrong. No, she can't. And she's like every other career politician trying to take credit for things she had nothing to do with. You got nothing to do with this, honey. Y'all think you turned around uh, South Carolina's economy because you're cute? No, you didn't. Cut 31, please. I was as governor. I took on a hurting state with double-digit unemployment, and we made it the beast of the Southeast. Oh, how funny is that? The beast of the Southeast. How cute. That just is not going to fly in Capital City. That may work in the sticks. She is the worst, and you're going to be hearing a lot about her. Nikki Haley, who had a, um, let's face it, the U.N. job is 
it's a political payoff. It's it's there. You raise your hand when called upon. And she's trying to pretend that she was some sort of global warrior. Cut 32. As ambassador, um, you know, I took on the world when they tried to disrespect us. And I think I showed what I'm capable of at the United Nations. So do I think I could be that leader? Yes. All she did was raise her hand when they took votes. And she read from a script that uh, I guess Mike Pompeo gave her to take on the world. They are. She's got some nerve, actually, thinking she could be president. Very, very, very mediocre. You want to hear what a president sounds like? Boom! It sounds like this. Cut 33. Under no circumstances should Republicans vote to cut a single penny from Medicare or Social Security to help pay for Joe Biden's reckless spending spree, which is more reckless than anybody's ever done or had in the history of our country. Isn't that a lot better, more effective than, well, I turned it into the beast of the Southeast. And here's why it's not going to cut. It's not going to resonate with people. Nobody knows that. It happens to not be true. That's one of the reasons why they don't know it. Boeing, Mercedes, BMW, they had deals with South Carolina long before Nikki Haley showed up. And she tries to claim credit for all this stuff. And also, you know, when Trump was making his case, we all knew it because we all saw it. We've seen the buildings, okay? We, we've seen the golf courses. We know it. He was reminding of us. Nikki Haley's trying to sell us a product we haven't seen, that we can't touch, that we don't know. we got to take her word for it. I don't think so. Tim in Manhattan. Hi. Hey, Greg. Uh, before I mention why I called, I just wanted to mention um, – Kamala Harris left out a pretty important part of the Declaration of Independence when she said we deserve the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness. She forgot the most important part, the right to life. All right, Tim, I'm not going to argue with you. I agree. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And the reason I called is you you one time mentioned you might get rid of your intro music. I, I think you should never do that. It was the reason I started listening like a couple years ago. I'm not really a radio person except for when I listen to you. But whenever I heard that song come out, I knew Greg was coming on. So I really? don't think you should get into that. All yeah. right. I mean, I was just uh, shooting. I don't know why I said that when I said it. I'm sure I felt that way. Um, you know, there's another version of this song by Keith Emerson, which is a bit more modern. You've ever heard that version? No. It's actually pretty good as well. It's got a heavy bass line. And uh, all right. Well, um Tim, you like the music, and just for you, I'll keep it forever until I change my mind. But, (laughs) Tim, thank you very much, and you're right. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Kamala, I wish you were as smart as Tim. I wish you had the integrity of Tim or anyone, really. My goodness gracious, she is a deranged person. Can I hear her yelling her head off one more time as we go to break, please? Let's see. Cut 40. You don't hire somebody like that. I'll be right back. The Greg Kelly Show. Always bad news. It's always bad when there's a mass shooting. You heard about the one in uh, Los Angeles right outside of L.A. Uh, some crazy guy caught shot 10 people. It looked like at a, at a Lunar New Year celebration. I think most of the victims were uh, Asian. The perpetrator, Asian. Although, just count on uh, Chuck Schumer to say 
race was involved. This was a hate crime. And no, sometimes, well, I always found that a little bit kind of redundant when you shoot somebody to kill them. Isn't that hate is obviously involved, but it's a special kind of hate if it's racially motivated. And that's racial motivation. I think it's terrible, period. It's terrible to kill anybody, right? It's terrible. Um. But this was, you can't say this was racially motivated, I guess, right? Because the uh, the shooter happened to be Asian himself. So there goes that theory, right? Although they're still clamoring. You know, there's always an opportunity to pass new uh, gun laws. You know where they don't where they don't have any guns, where the people can't get guns? China. You can't get guns in China. Now, oh, wow, isn't it great they have no mass shootings? Well, you know what they do have? <laughs> people get a hold of a knife and they go on a knife rampage. Happens fairly routinely over there. And um, they go on rampages with knives. And they kill just as many people sometimes as as, you, as with a gun. And that takes me back to the United Nations, by the way. You know, I used to be ambivalent about guns. I, it wasn't my issue. It just wasn't a thing that I cared very much about. I'm like, okay, gun control sounds reasonable. I don't, you know, whatever. I'm not a hunter. You know, I grew up on Long Island. Um, I never really carried a gun until I was in the Marine Corps and I learned how to shoot all the guns. And when I was in the Marines or a lot of, you know, hardcore Second Amendment guys, and I actually found myself in debates with them at times. Uh, but they knew a hell of a lot more about the issue because they grew up in kind of the gun culture. I did not, even though I was very proficient with weapons. I was expert marksman with the uh, pistol and with the rifle, uh, the M16. But... That's a long time ago, and I have grown up, and like I told you before, my eyes have been opened, and I believe firmly, absolutely, in the Second Amendment, the right of individuals to bear arms. And if you go a little bit deeper, if you go into the Federalist Papers, now one of the reasons why you need a well-armed citizenry as a, the, so the government doesn't even think about becoming totalitarian, does not even think about abusing its authority. It's one of the reasons that this is what this is what our founding fathers were thinking about. You don't want them like if the population has no means to defend itself against tyranny. Wow, that was that would be really good for the tyrants. So I do believe in the Second Amendment. I love our country. I love our Constitution. Um, everybody's got to obey the law, of course. Um, but we have a pretty corrupt government right now, and I hope it gets straightened out. We have a pretty corrupt um, election system. I hope that gets straightened out. And I used to go to the United Nations. You know, they they do that. I mentioned, uh, grew up on Long Island. I must have gone to the United Nations probably four times while I was in grammar school. It was like a big field trip. We'd go... And I used to think it was pretty cool. I just thought, oh, wow, this is where all these amazing people come together for the good of the world. It's amazing. And they feed you that propaganda. And there's a sculpture outside of the United Nations. It's still there. It's called, uh, I don't know what it's called. It's a sculpture of a 44 caliber handgun. You know, like Dirty Harry used to shoot. Except that the barrel of the gun is twisted into a crazy wiener pretzel. So it's like twisted. So the gun does not work. And this is supposed to be, oh, isn't this amazing, right? We're getting rid of all of our weapons of war. Man will not be able to wage war against man, which is great in theory. But it took some force to destroy that weapon. 
Who's behind that force? Who's bending metal? Who has the capacity to take our constitutionally protected weapons away from us? I see that picture in a whole new light. I see that sculpture as depicting that's the result of tyranny. That's what tyrannical abuse looks like. Destroying the weapons that people are constitutionally allowed to have or confiscating those weapons. Uh, It was, I'm going to have to show that and find out a little bit more. Who's the artist behind that? And um, it's okay. It's okay to grow. We're supposed to grow and learn. And I don't want to be anything like China. I believe in freedom and liberty. But that World Economic Forum crowd, the Davos crowd, who's this guy, Klaus Schwab? He runs the whole damn thing. Listen to him talk uh, so admiringly and glowingly about China and how more countries should be like China. That's what they're going for. I don't think we should be anything like China. Um, But those global elites, they dig how China can get things done. They're very efficient. John F. Kennedy said communism is very efficient, can be very swift. But then again, we don't have to build a wall to keep our people in. That guy had some great moments. All right, cut 26, Klaus Schaub. Klaus Schaub, I think he's from Austria. Austria. He has a very thick accent, but you'll make it out. Cut 26. I uh, respect uh, China's achievements. I think it's... um a role model for many countries. But the Chinese model is certainly a very attractive model for quite a number of countries. Right now, we should disband the World Economic Forum. Nobody should go if this guy's running the show. What is it he likes about China so much? It's a genocide program? Uh, It's infanticide program? What does he like so much? What's the model that we should be emulating? The slave labor part of it? Tell me, Klaus. <laughs> hey, Donald Trump went to the Diamond and Silk um, Memorial. Oh, forgive me. Who? It was Diamond who died. Right, Diamond. And what happened was um, Silk got up there, and Silk like gave a very stirring speech. Now, if you've watched Diamond and Silk, they're, they were a little bit like Penn and Teller, right? Uh, I, I don't even know which one is Penn and which one is Teller, but the big, tall, slightly fat guy, he told all the jokes, and the other guy would just kind of look at him with this weird look, but he was there for a purpose, and he was doing stuff behind the scenes, and somehow Penn and Teller worked, although you don't hear about those guys much anymore. I think they're big in Vegas. And uh, and that's what they had going. Trump and, uh, Trump and Riley Brown. Um, Diamond dies, and Trump goes there. And it's beautiful. Cut 41, please. Cut. Wait. Let's hear Diamond and Silk praising Trump first. Cut 41. Hey, I'm Diamond with Diamond and Silk. And Mr. President, there are those that write history. There's those that read history. And I want you to know that you are making history. That's right. Now, I need you to understand that we not new to this, we true to this. From day one. Day one. We have been on your side and we've never left it. You know, I keep hearing the left talking about they a champion for this and a champion for that. 
Well, when is a champion going to win? Because they ain't winning. But we done already found a champion. A true champion. Right here in our president, President Donald J. Trump. All right, they love him. They love the guy. You'll notice that a diamond introduces, you know, runs the, is kind of running the show. Silk, Silk is a little bit like the Ed McMahon of uh, the Diamond and Silk arrangement, right? You know, is a sidekick. They look the, very much like a partnership, but one is kind of driving the ship, and that's okay. So Diamond uh, dies, and Donald Trump. This is amazing. I think it's beautiful. He goes to the memorial. It's like a, it's a long memorial too. And what is the fake news doing? Oh, they're picking apart what he said. Oh, he said this. He said that. He talked about himself too much. None of that matters. It doesn't matter. You know, it really doesn't matter most of the time what you say in life. What matters is, as Woody Allen said, showing up. 90% of life is showing up. And it doesn't matter if he didn't give the perfect uh, eulogy. I've heard part. I've heard most of it. I thought it was great. I didn't have any problem with it. So uh, Silk gets up there. Remember, he she had always been kind of quiet, and unloads on everything on the vaccine, on the global elites. Uh, she's really, really going for it in a way we haven't heard before. Anyway, here's Donald Trump speaking at the memorial for Diamond, and it was beautiful. Cut forty-two. You know, the world has lost one of its brightest stars, real star, but I see that uh, we have another star who is equal to, but she stepped up and she is different. I'm, I'm serious. I thought I knew them both. I didn't. I knew, I knew Diamond, but I didn't know Silk at all. I just learned about Silk. You're fantastic. You're going to carry on beyond, beyond anybody's wildest imagination. That's beautiful. What, the, what could be the problem? And they're saying that this is the worst thing that ever happened. They did 20 minutes on this on Morning Joe. And even conservatives come in and say, how dare he speak like that? How dare? What? Wouldn't it be great if he came to your memorial? What's the problem? They never give him a shot. They never give him a break. We do. You do. The people do. And I know they're trying to prop up the Nikki Haley's of the world and the Mike Pompeo and even even Ron DeSantis. And I heard something about I. I'm going to hold off on that. I got to confirm one thing. I like Ron DeSantis someday, not in 2024. He's got some growing up to do. He's not ready yet. Granted, Barack Obama wasn't ready. <laughs> yet sometimes, as Bill Clinton says, when a chauffeur, when a Rolls Royce and a chauffeur pull up and the door opens and it says, get in, you get in. That's how he basically described Barack Obama's political career. Bill Clinton, no fan of the the Obamas. Um, matter of fact, you never see Bill Clinton and Obama together, do you? He has very little regard for uh, for Barack Obama. And so do I, for that matter. And I found this, and it's relevant to my book, by the way, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. Did you get it yet? You know, I'd appreciate it. We're still surging. We just missed the bestseller list by about 40 books. 40 books! Folks, we could have made history. Maybe we still we still will. But it's an important book. And one of the things I go into, you know, one of the 
horrible results of the media lies and the Black Lives Matter over-the-top hysteria is that property has been damaged and lives have been lost. And often those lives are cops. And you remember in 2016, five police officers were shot and killed by a crazy madman named Micah Johnson. He was a black identity extremist. And he showed up at a big protest against the cops. Now, what was that protest happening all over uh, Texas for? This was in Dallas, but there were protests all throughout Texas and Louisiana and uh, a good chunk of the country. This is back in 2016. This is not 2020. Because a career criminal named Alton Maddox was observed with a gun threatening people, say, buy my CDs or I'm going to shoot somebody. You ever go, ever meet those guys on the street selling the CDs and sometimes they try to give you one? Don't ever take one. Don't ever take one. Anyway, the cops show up because they get a report of this guy threatening people to buy the CDs or else I'll shoot you. And they try to arrest him. And Alton Sterling goes for a gun in his back pocket. Alton Sterling is shot and killed by the police. No charges are filed against the police because it was a justified shooting. And then um, these cops are killed because Micah Johnson shows up at the pro-Alton Sterling protest. And Barack Obama goes to the funeral. And isn't that a great time to talk about the cops, right? And Alton Sterling, the guy who started the whole damn thing? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. St. Alton Sterling from Barack Obama, July 2016, at the funeral for the cops, he talks about this career criminal who, oh, by the way, was a registered sex offender. But Barack Obama apparently got the memo that he's a nice guy. Cut 37. Surely we should be able to hear the pain of Alton Sterling's family. Family. We should... When we hear a friend describe him by saying that whatever he cooked, he cooked enough for everybody, that that should sound familiar to us, that maybe he wasn't so different than us, so that we can, yes, insist that his life matters. No, I think his life mattered slightly less, quite frankly, if he's waving a gun as a registered sex offender, demanding that people buy his pathetic CDs, or else... I think that puts him in the my life matters less category. Sorry, I do. It's a chapter in my book, Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. I would be honored if you'd consider it. It's available wherever books are sold. And thank you. Be right back. Greg Kelly. This is The Greg Kelly Show. Hey, who watched that uh, Buffalo versus the Cincinnati Bengals game? I don't know why it was such a good game. I don't watch much football at all, but uh, something about the snow coming down made it more interesting, and it seemed more competitive than the game was to me. I mean, it was 27-10, but I saw that this guy Mixon was running around and having a pretty good game. Mixon, M-I-X-O-N, and I asked a couple of questions. Who is this guy Mixon? What's he all about? And Phil Mushnick in the New York Post tells us, oh, boy, 
and the the uh, just the hypocrisy of the NFL. Um, basically, he writes this story: unless there's video evidence of wrongdoing, uh, the NFL has could care less, and will uh, will keep promoting these athletes. Let's see here. Uh, Phil Mushnick, Sunday, the Bengals play the Bills in a playoff game on CBS. Scheduled to start at running back for Cincinnati is Joe Mixon. The telecast is highly unlikely to include uh, Jim Nance or Tony Romo, citing significant details of Mixon's career. In 2014, as a top recruit to Oklahoma, Mixon was suspended for one season after punching a woman in a restaurant, breaking four bones in her face with what was described by the Oklahoma media and much later seen as a devastating right hook that knocked her off her feet. The woman, Amelia Molitor, who was 20 and an OU student, told Oklahoma media she'd never seen Mixon before. He harassed her first, then attacked her. He punched me one time. He broke my face in four places. My nose, my sinuses, they're broken. She expected reprisals from OU fans. Mixon was allowed to remain enrolled and continued to receive the benefits from his full scholarship. He entered an Alford plea, which is something where you can maintain your innocence while recognizing the evidence against you. He was granted a deferred sentence for misdemeanor assault. Always coddling these jocks. Huh? How about that? And they stand for truth. They stand for justice. Hey, does black lives really matter? I'll be right back. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. Hey, another thing on that poor weather guy, uh, Adam Klotz, 37 years old. I never heard of him before. I told you I had a scare that it was Mike Woods. Turned out not to be Mike Woods. It's this guy, uh, Adam Klotz. He's on the subway, and a bunch of kids were hassling an older man. And he said, hey, come on, why don't you cut it out? So they beat him up really severely. Uh, Then the police apprehended three teen suspects who were cut loose without charges. They were, well, they're just juveniles. They're just juveniles. You know, 15, 16. Do you just let them go? Wow. Well, this is Alvin Bragg's New York, right? This is how it goes down. When you have a crazy um, fool as the district attorney of New York County, Manhattan. Officially, Manhattan is called New York County. Did you know that? And he's a district attorney. And don't lecture me about, well, the people elected him district attorney. I've heard that many times. Well, the people said so. Like, And that our friend, our friend uh, Lee Zeldin was somehow anti-democratic when he said he wanted to remove him from office. Well, number one, the democratically uh, elected legislature uh, put that in the state constitution. He's allowed to do it. He has the power. And some of these public officials need to start using the power that they have. I mean, the good guys. Remember for for that moment in time where de Blasio thought, should I fire de Blasio? Could I fire the mayor? Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Remember all that stuff? Uh, He would have done it. Lee Zeldin, and it would have been totally fine. It's in the Constitution, and only about 85,000 people in a city of 8 million voted for this maniac, Alvin Bragg, who thinks that armed robbery is not a crime, who thinks that resisting arrest is not a crime, who thinks that beating up a weatherman on the train is not a crime. This is uh, 85,000 people. That's not democracy. And they rigged it. They set it up that way primary day on the last day of school in June. Everybody's thinking about the 4th of July, getting out of school. We don't have the muscle memory to think about 
um, you know, some silly primary at the end of June. That's just not the way we're wired. It's uh, hundreds of years of this stuff. Who is? Who is wired to vote that way? Acorn, crazy radical leftist groups. It only takes a handful of people in this city. It's incredible. Again, the NYPD, I'll go back to that, 2013. Actually, in early 2013, January of 2013, the New York Times said the, the, the people of New York City overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly want Ray Kelly as the next mayor. Overwhelmingly so. The New York Times ran a uh, editorial. But in New York, it doesn't matter. You don't have to get an overwhelming number of people to vote for you. You just need a bunch of nitwits to show up on some obscure primary day. You, you can sneak anybody in. So de Blasio pretends that he was uh, you know, the will of the people, a groundswell. No, it's wrong. He's, he wasn't. And he made good, though, on that crazy promise. Well, first he pretended the NYPD was broken. Then he pretended to fix what wasn't broken. And then he managed to actually break it. And uh, that's where we are right now. Cops leaving like crazy. All right, so everyone's talking actually about this Miranda Devine piece, and it's an important piece. She's um, she's the one who wrote the book Laptop from Hell. She's done groundbreaking work on the uh, the Biden crime family. Listen to this by Miranda Devine. Joe Biden is panicking. An astonishing fifth trove of classified documents was discovered in the president's Delaware mansion Friday, not by his own lawyers this time, but during a more thorough 13-hour search by the Department of Justice while he holed up in his beach house in Rehoboth, which ought to be next on the DOG, DOJ search list. Biden's Attorney General Merrick Garland has had the audacity to appoint a special counsel to investigate Biden. His long-term trusted factotum, Ron Klain, is bailing out. And someone at the White House is throwing his trusted longtime executive assistant, Kathy Chung, under the bus. The Washington Post quoted an anonymous insider last week saying that Chung has confided to associates that she is distressed that she might have inadvertently been involved in moving or storing classified material at the center, planting the seeds of the current uproar. The fact that the loyal Chung was personally poached by Hunter Biden in 2012 to work for his father in the VP's office apparently counts for nothing when it comes to offloading blame from the president. That's why Biden looked like a cornered rat in California last week with aspiring heir Gavin Newsom leering over his shoulder and lied through his teeth. First, he snapped at a reporter who asked about the scandal and then dismissed the question as a handful of documents were filed in the wrong place. Then he effectively issued a warning to Garland. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. There's no there there. Actually, why don't we just hear Joe Biden say that for a moment, all right? That's on my list here. Uh, you got that? Oh, brother. We got to have a uh, – we should do it alphabetically, and it should be easy to find, right? Come on, come on, come on. All right, go ahead. I think you're going to find there's nothing there. I have no regrets. I'm following what the lawyers have told me they want me to do. It's exactly what we're doing. There's no there there. Thank you. Nasty guy. 
The no there there defense may have worked for Biden back in the 2020 campaign when he repeatedly claimed to know nothing about his son's overseas business dealings and when the mythology of Honest Joe had not collapsed, but no more. Too, more, too much evidence has emerged from Hunter's laptop, from Hunter's former business partners, from the Twitter files, and from FBI whistleblowers alleging a cover-up of staggering proportions. The first tranche of at least 10 classified documents reportedly was found in the fall at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement at the University of Pennsylvania and were kept secret by the White House until after the midterm elections. They were dated between 2013 and 2016 and included U.S. intelligence memos and briefing materials on Ukraine, Iran and the United Kingdom, according to CNN. Ties to Hunter Portfolio. This is the thread that links the president to the long-running Delaware federal investigation into his son's foreign business dealings. That three-year period corresponds to the most frenetic influence-peddling activity overseas by his son Hunter and brother Jim Biden, who made millions of dollars from shady interests in Ukraine, China, Russia, and elsewhere. How much more valuable their product would be if they had access to classified documents? You get this now? Their activity is documented in the Hunter laptop, in financial documents held by the Treasury, and in testimony from Hunter's former business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, who said Joe was the big guy slated to get 10% from a particularly lucrative Chinese deal. Hunter traveled on Air Force Two with his father to do private business during that period, including to China in December of 2013. He organized the infamous Cafe Milano dinner for Joe to meet his business partners from Ukraine, Russia, and Kazakhstan in April of 2015. After the separation from his wife in July of 2015, Hunter lived off and on in the father's Delaware mansion and listed it as his residence on official documents. (coughs) Excuse me. You know, they want these visitor logs. It doesn't matter. Hunter was there. Hunter. Hunter had free reign in his dad's White House as well, and his privileged access meant his name never showed up on visitor logs. For instance, he took the infamous photo of his then best friend in business, Devin Archer, with his father in the vice president's office in April of 2014, shortly before the pair joined the board of the corrupt Ukrainian oil company Burisma, which paid Hunter $83,000 a month. That photo ended up briefly on the Burisma website before being taken down on the instructions of the White House lawyer. This is so bad. And you know what? He's finally, finally, finally getting caught. This is great. The last four tranches of classified documents were discovered in President Biden's Delaware mansion during four separate searches between December 20th and Friday. While there is no indication of the subject matter, Biden's personal attorney, Bob Bauer, issued a statement Saturday evening saying the DOJ search the previous day had discovered six items consisting of documents with classification markings and surrounding materials, some of which were from the president's service in the Senate and some of which were during his tenure as vice president. DOJ also took uh, for further review personally handwritten notes from the vice presidential years. You know what? I'd want my liar, lawyer to just keep his mouth shut. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if this was uh, wise, but hey, look, it doesn't matter. He's a corrupt guy, and the one who was who knew that all along, probably chosen because he was corrupt, is Barack Obama, and he's the one orchestrating all of this, I believe. 
Biden has not faced the FBI raid and leaking abuses that his predecessor endured, but it's the same crime. And in Biden's case, there is a hell of a lot there, there. Accountability is coming for Joe Biden, and no amount of dark money groups leaking false narratives to the media will save him. Oh, it's delicious. It's delicious. Right, Marianne? Hello? Hello, Greg. How have you been? um, Oh, just peachy. (laughs) I I wanted to talk to you about the, uh, the fencing and the National Guard on Inauguration Day. Yes. Okay. If I could be brutally frank, and also I wanted to make a comment about Pence, Mike Pence. Well, go ahead. Okay. I believe that they know they stole the election. They knew it, and they knew that we knew it. And that's why they put up the fence and the National Guard to keep us away. So they were in our face in truth. They were the ones causing an insurrection. They were overturning the government. That was their plan. And what they did was they used the January 6th Trump and his supporters to, like, oh, let's look over there at Trump and his supporters. Don't be looking at us because we're really doing it. The Dems were really doing it, insurrection. All right. And they, okay. Now, Mike Pence. Uh, when he did that uh, speech on January the 4th, where he said he was going to make sure that everything went the way it's supposed to go, and he bit his lip, and he looked a little anxious. And then when he did his book report with um, Lester Holt, did you notice his leg was shaking and everything? That was so unlike him to be not in control of this whole body language. Wait a know? second, wait a second. All right. No, I watched those interviews pretty – the only interview I saw him do – I don't remember Lester Holt. I remember David Muir. Are you sure it's Lester Holt? Well, maybe maybe it was David Muir. All right, David. I got to look. I did not see his legs shake. I did see this, though. I saw a pompous, self-righteous jerk uh, who tried to fake out the entire country so he could keep his cred with the MAGA crowd by hinting that he was going to exert his full authority on January 6th and send potentially fraudulent electoral votes back to the states. As we believe, under the Electoral Count Act of 1887, he had the authority to do that. And he pretended, he tr- he played a game with us, that he was going to do that on January 4th. Now, this SOB could have saved lives and saved property if he had said, you know what, in two days, it's an open and shut case, in my opinion. I'm just going to count the votes and that's it. If you have an objection, we'll listen to him for two hours, but that's it. He didn't say any of that. He didn't say any of that. And he alluded in that own in his own biography, his autobiography, when he's going to the Capitol that day, he's looking at all the protesters. He's like, my God, those poor people, they'll be so disappointed. Well, he could have told us ahead of time, and there'd be a lot less um, you know, suspense, right? Don't you agree, Marianne? Yeah, I think he was in on it. He was in on it. He was also seen fist bumping a DC cop outside. Well, so he couldn't have been that afraid. Well, you know, I uh, yeah, no, look, and he didn't call Trump. He said his life was at risk, and you know, why didn't Trump call me? And Trump didn't call the Secretary of Defense, and Trump didn't call the Attorney General. Well, none of those guys called him. And look, Marianne, I have to say, I do not know, nor can I prove 
that the election was stolen. I don't know. I have grave concerns about the fairness of the election. And maybe one day we will know the whole truth. And then they'll have to rewrite all this stuff. They'll have to throw out their silly January 6th report and write that those who were protesting were the real heroes that day. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly. This is The Greg Kelly Show. It's been a remarkable two years. The truth is that so many in, in Obama world underestimated Joe Biden. So many in Clinton world underestimated Joe Biden. They kept underestimating him. And this is not a paid political uh, advertisement for Joe Biden. This is just reality. This This is just reality. Constantly underestimated by his political friends and and enemies alike. All right, enough with this guy. Joe uh, Scarborough is one of the few people actually supporting uh, Biden at this point. Hey. Turn up the White House briefing if you can. It looks like they have, it's not Kareem Jean-Pierre. It's not that game show looking guy, Kirby. Uh, it looks like they have a lawyer from the White House counsel's office. Yeah? All right. I want to hear this for a second, please. Fortunate in that we have an abundance, obviously, of natural gas in this country. Oh, never Our mind. That's uh, Jennifer Granholm, but the annoying times, uh, energy uh, secretary. So I didn't recognize you. Turn her off. I thought it was uh, some lawyer. All right. Forget that. Um, Ellie. Oh, hi, Ellie. Uh, Mineola. Hi, Greg. How you doing? Great. Uh, great. Um, I'm going to try to be real quick. I know you're towards the end of your show. Um, well, one, I did watch the entire uh, memorial service for Diamond. And I just wanted to mention something that how wonderful the Trump family is. Um, when Silk announced the memorial service for her sister Diamond, um, she announced it and invited the entire public. Several days later, she mentioned that Donald Trump will be also attending. Well, during her speech about her sister, she did say, I'm sure President Trump is going to hate me for this, but I wanted everyone to know that he paid for the entire event. Oh, wow. Yeah, and also Lara Trump and Diamond Silk's advisor, they went up to Silk and they said, we know that how distraught you are. Let us take care of all the planning for the event. That's beautiful. So- I did not know that. And you know what? Thank you for telling me, Ellie. I'll be sure to highlight that on the show tonight. Good stuff. I, I appreciate it so much. Hey, listen, I got to get to Rick. He's been on hold for a million minutes. Uh, Rick, hi. Hey, thanks for taking the call. Um, the same people have been c- controlling our presidents and vice presidents for a long, long time. It's the Soros, George Soros, Klaus Schwab. Um, have you ever heard of the Kazarian Mafia? No. You might want to look that up. Um, I can tell you how we know they've not only been in control of our government, but they've been in control of the media for probably close to 200 years. Now listen, and I don't know anything about any Kazarian thing, and I got to, I got to, thanks, Rick. Uh, I don't I, I I I don't know anything about that. I don't know. I don't know. I hope there's no anti uh anti anybody message there. Look, Soros is a bad guy. Uh I know that. Uh you know that. Klaus Schwab is a bad guy and I do believe that they are in cahoots with uh the left, obviously. All right, one more and we'll wrap up the show with Joe in Mount Sinai. Yes. Yeah, hello. Uh, you know, this information is just some somebody else's opinion. And uh 
the deep state and people like Joe Biden all think that Americans with common sense were all made with a finger and they're the smartest people in the world when it's actually the other way around. Where are you, by the way? I'm in my kitchen. Yeah, all right. It sounds a little funny. I don't know. All right, you're in the kitchen. I thought you might be in the bathtub. All right, you're in the kitchen. That's decent. We just had a bad connection. Uh, Well, that's what he uh, does. That's what they do, right? They try to to criminalize and marginalize opinion. And they can't. (laughs) They're at war with the truth. They're at war with the truth. And they're afraid of the truth. Joe Biden is especially, he's terrified of the truth right now. And what business is it of the government to tell us what the hell is true and what's not true? Gifted people, the most celebrated, brilliant people in the world can see things 1,000% diametrically opposed. I mean, I think there are some numbskulls on the Supreme Court, but let's pretend for a moment that they're the smartest people in the country. Routinely, routinely, you got five to four decisions. You got five brainiacs who think the opposite of what the other four brainiacs think all the time. And Joe Biden is going to uh, appoint that extra from the Wizard of Oz uh, updated version to be the minister of truth. It's uh, scary stuff. But I do think part of it is crumbling down. If Joe Biden has to resign tomorrow, this is not over. This is not over by a long shot. The people who actually put Joe Biden in power the people who are now orchestrating his downfall, they will still be in power. The media will still be corrupt. Look at what they ignored and how long they ignored it. A laptop. He lied to all of us, tens of millions of people. He stood there with a straight face. That laptop is Russia disinformation. That's exactly what my intelligence friends have said in that letter. And Rudy couldn't even say Rudy Giuliani's name right. Remember that? Anyway, listen, I got to run. I got the show tonight. Many, many thanks. Hey, thanks for buying the book. If you're thinking about it, stop thinking. Go buy it. Uh, we can uh, we can create real change, and I can write another book. If we sell another enough copies, and it looks like we're on our way to doing that. It's called Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, available on Amazon, uh, available in those little cute bookstores that are all over the place. Many thanks. I'll see you later.